Another episode of the discourse. I am your host, the chronically uh, virally infected uh, Chad V. And today I'm being joined, as always, by my lovely co-host John Adair and Rich. Say hello, fellas. What's up, yo? What's v up? is for virus. <laughs> I'm not the only one, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> today, as of recording, uh, I think 18 states have decided to sue, with Texas leading the charge, uh, sue. Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Georgia over the election result. From what I hear, it's not going to have much standing, but it does continue and perpetuate and give more credence to the people that think that somehow Trump is being robbed and the real coup is the one removing Trump from power is essentially more or less what they've convinced themselves of. Yeah. <laughs> Like, is it bad to say that I'm still not concerned about this Trump coup thing? Because this all seems pretty desperate. I'm not really that concerned either. But, you know, it could just come to the Supreme Court just deciding tomorrow that, no, nope, that's it. We're going to overturn these elections just on a whim. And I think the the likelihood of that is so fucking low. I don't think they can. And the reason why is that because I think that well, they could do whatever the fuck they want. It, they can. Right. But theoretically, it's the kind of thing that would have implications down the line for like just judicial precedent. You know, it's a bunch of states deciding because they don't like the outcome of the elections that they're going to sue swing states based on their interpretation of their election laws being changed unfairly, which is without precedent, I believe. And like, I guess you can count the, I mean, the Voting Rights Act, but that was something completely different. Like, I, I can't even imagine what it would open up states to sue each other up for in the future. Yeah, I can imagine them all suing California for their setting of environmental regulations on automobiles next. Well, I mean, states have a history of suing each other, you know, over dumb shit. But what I do find not necessarily concerning from the perspective of any kind of, again, a coup or a legal challenge is I think, again, what we will be seeing is Nazis in the streets. And I say that and typically the liberal response, and even from some people that I consider to be on the left, right, is, well, there's already been Nazis on the street. Why aren't you paying attention? And that's not what I think any of anybody who's saying this now is saying, right? We've obviously covered Nazis being in the street. I've gone to Seattle and covered police being Nazis. Like, this is standard. You know what I mean? We we talk about this pretty often. What I What I fear happening is that Trump's coup, I like this idea that a, a coup is being pulled against Trump is now being given real life merit, right? This Texas coming going before the Supreme Court, trying to sue Pennsylvania, trying to be like, oh no, this is, you know, this is not happening. It's not okay. Oh my God. You know, that it's, it's the amicus brief. Of now you've got 20 states, you've got almost half the union saying they think a coup is being pulled against Trump, and that's going to embolden a lot of white people in this country, and it's going to embolden, you know, our own fascist stormtroopers and police, homeland security, ICE, et cetera, et cetera. 
Well, I mean, I think it's kind of misleading to say it's 20 states because that implies a lot more weight than I think it actually has. I think this goes under another. But it's not. It's 18. It's it's one state suing plus 18 more signing on. That's 19. That's essentially 20 states. Oh, no, I, know, I don't mean literally. <laughs> it's overstating like the number of states doing it. I mean, it's overstating the weight of those states by the analysis of like whether or not this is something that you could legitimately call a lawsuit that has any like grounds, right? You know, whether or not they just decide to do it. That's if you're rational. That's if you're rational. However, I before we get too far down this line, because I think in the coup talk, it kind of gets buried. The more realistic danger, because I think there is the danger of violence in the streets, like we said, but I think the more pressing danger people are facing right now has to do with COVID-19 and the continued health and material effects that that is having on their lives, or rather that the virus is having on their lives. And, you know, we did see some more movement on some kind of stimulus bill, John. I was wondering if you can help us sort of parse that a little bit. So now but that side, that side tells me you're not happy. I, I'm not really because what's happening in like the signals that are going back and forth. And for, for a lot of this, you should follow a friend of the show, David day and over at the prospect and as well as double D yeah. Jeff Stein from the Washington post has been doing a lot of updates on this and both of them same since, you know, the last act that, the Democrats have traded away all of their negotiating power. And when they did that, the Republicans have no need to really step to the table. But now what we're seeing is like the Democrats and Nancy Pelosi seem to be even weakening themselves in their negotiating positions by saying things along the lines of, well, Biden's president. And so now we have a, uh, someone that believes in science. So, yeah, we're going to open up all the schools again and we're going to wait for a vaccine. And people don't need as much help right now, even though the eviction moratorium ends uh, at the end of this month, in, in December 26th. And so does the unemployment benefits, the extended unemployment benefits and the uh, pandemic unemployment assistance, which affects 12 million people right now, if not more than that, because by that time, there'll probably be an additional people who have transitioned from their state unemployments to the PUA. And they're treating this negotiation as the typical thing that they've been going back and forth with over the course of, you know, the past 20 or 40, 50 years. Like it's just farm subsidies or, you know, it's just this, it's just an omnibus spending bill rather than looking at it like we have a deadline of two weeks from now 12 million people might be losing all their money and we're looking at like a quarter of the population of the united states has possibly behind on payments on rent and mortgage and considering that like blackstone's the largest property owner in the united states right now thanks to the 2008 crash like it's not even like you can go to your local landlord and, and scream because some of those local landlords do exist, but a lot of times it's major corporations that are your owners and they're not located anywhere near you. So you can't even go torch their building or anything in, in, in protest. Um, and the dire situation is just completely beyond the ken of these people. So they, they just don't see the consequences, don't grasp the consequences. They're so far removed or they don't care about the consequences. And that's the thing. And that's what it's looking more and more like, because the position that McConnell has been saying for the longest time was that without the liability shield, which isn't necessarily the the liability shield that we think it is, as Dan has reported, this seems more along the lines of a 
a way to get tort reform kind of in the back door so that they can remove any type of corporate liability and put it on the books rather than anything in relation to COVID because like the laws are pretty clear as they stand for what a corporation is responsible for both to its employees and to its customers in regard to COVID. Um, so this just seems like a way to backdoor in removing any type of class action, any type of suing, any type of like that type of legal action that uh, a wronged or hurt customer or employee can take. And McConnell has said for the longest time, this is his line in the sand. And now he seems to be willing to trade it all away as long as we get rid of the benefits to the states and local aid. Um, and that is key because as we've talked about on this show a lot like that's right now we're, we're seeing massive revenue drops in states across the country because you know they're not collecting taxes on things like restaurants and other sales that are happening and on top of that they're not seeing the the other revenues that they would get from a thriving economy and and that doesn't exist so they're all hurting and their budgets are all in the red and this money that should be coming through this next stimulus package would has a, a nice carve out and set aside for them to be not only recuperated re, recuperated for their losses but also to have some for a little bit of a cushion going forward until the idea of a vaccine being uh, distributed to everyone is a reality um, and mcconnell wants to get rid of that and as he stated way back in the beginning of this his primary concern is to hurt blue states he wants to hurt the budgets of blue states and it goes along with the larger gop project of dismantling government and, you know, he's an old school ideologue when it comes to this. So he has a position that's rooted in his own ideology. He has he's arguing from a position of strength because he doesn't give a shit about whoever dies on this. And he's arguing with someone, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, who don't give a shit about the people that died from this other than optics. And they don't seem to realize or care, like we said, about the consequences of what the mass suffering that's going to happen if this bill doesn't actually go through. So we're at a stalemate and we're at a stalemate at a position that's even lower than the one that was happening like a couple months ago when tr the Trump administration was offering $1.8 billion for some, for some bill or 1.8 trillion for some bill. And it's really just quite staggering to see at every step of the negotiation process, not only how the Democrats have bungled it, but how callous they've been in response to the callousness of the Republicans. And the fact that they have not messaged on this to win the Georgia elections or to win any of the presidential elections really speaks to where we are. So when I do a big sigh in regards to this negotiation process and where we stand on this next stimulus bill, what I'm sighing at is I honestly, at this point, don't think anything's going to happen. And I think that the the suffering that's going to go is going to be massive. And I think it's going to be up to states to create a float system on an individual basis for the unemployment and the PUA in their own states, thereby driving themselves further into the red and their, their budgets with the anticipation that something might come along soon with new type of negotiation. And I think that's because both sides are both sides lack of caring and both sides lack of understanding of the massive massive amount of suffering that will happen is what's going to prevent anything from coming to uh, a head i don't know if there's a lack of understanding about the amount of suffering the thing that got me about the nancy pelosi kind of uh press conference breakdown 
uh, well, well, first I had my hearing was pretty impaired by my ear infection, so I thought I was losing my mind. But it, she basically flipped it, the flipped the idea of helping people on its head by saying that because Joe Biden won and we had a president who believes in science now, that people didn't need the same kind of massive bailout that they would have needed if Trump were president. Right. And I was just like, what the fuck?